And so that brings us to step seven, uh, which is uh, to implement uh, the plan that we've created uh, with humility and flexibility. Uh, And so now we're firmly in the present tense. Uh, Kind of steps one through five, uh, they were past tense. They were looking at things that happened that we need to make right. Step six, making our plan. It was future tense. This is what we're going to do. Step seven is we evaluate how are we doing at doing it. Yet, and part of what makes step seven hard, uh, and this is one of those things where we can just kind of be frustrated with one another and support each other a little bit here. Anger done poorly is an event. I mean, people notice anger done poorly. It gets attention. Anger done right is a non-event. And it can be really frustrating when the only thing that gets attention is when I do something wrong because it's an event. And then when I do it right, it's a non-event and nobody notices and I don't get any points for that. And it's not even just about a point. I just like some encouragement and recognition. That was hard. I did well. Somebody pat the boy on the head and tell him he did good. Um, And so one of the ways that I think we can begin to interact with that non-event nature is to see progress more multidimensionally. So here I want to invoke the picture or the metaphor of a sound wave. Uh, And if you're a sound wave nerd, then you'll get this. If not, I think the rest of us will be able to keep up. You can measure a sound wave in one of three ways. Uh, It has intensity, you know, how loud it is, how high it goes on the scale. It has duration, uh, how long it lasts. And it has frequency, uh, the period of time between sounds. And uh, our struggle with sin... Our sin has intensity, it has duration, it has frequency. So I'm going to do one of those things that counselor loves to do. I'm going to make up a category. Okay? Counselors love to do that. I'm a counselor. I get to do that. Okay? My category is going to be the life disruption scale. Okay? LDS, not Latter-day Saints, life disruption scale. We're going to make that up. The way that you calculate your life disruption scale is by multiplying the intensity by the duration by the frequency. And let's say we just had an awful day and we tapped out at 10 on all three of them. And so we multiply 10 by 10 by 10. What is our life disruption scale quotient? A thousand. All you got to do is move the decimal. That's easy math. Now here's hard math. And I didn't even let you cheat. So if you're ahead of me on the piece of paper, you're like, oh, he didn't give me the answer this time. Yet, let's say all we do is decrease each of those by two. And so we go from 10 by 10 by 10 to 8 by 8 by 8. What's our new life disruption score? It's fine if you want to use your phone on this. It's 512. It's almost cut in half. Now, you may ask me, is that a math trick? Well, kind of, sort of. But I also appeal to your personal experience. How much progress do you need to see in order to have hope? Yet, 
If you've been with any of these things that I do, you know uh, I think all of life can be explained by Little League sports coaching. Uh, and right now, uh, my youngest little guy has just moved into a whole nother level of baseball, and we're getting killed. Just game after game after game, we're getting mercy ruled, and there's nothing merciful about it. Um, it but, but in the midst of that, you can see those moments where the kids begin to realize, we can do this. We made that play. We got that hit. That boy is big and we still struck him out. And in the way that hope begins to get infused and that we believe that something can happen here is bigger than the progress of the moment. In that moment, whether it's a loved one struggling with anger or with it's you, when in the moment after something was ugly and bad, in a humble way that is sooner than it was before, with more ownership than it was before, somebody says, you know, that was awful. And it shouldn't have been that way, and there's no excuses for it. And I need to talk to somebody about it. Now, we still had a whole lot of ugly, but that introduces a disproportional amount of hope that when we begin to battle with our sin in the way that God designed, He is disproportionately gracious in the level of hope that He can give us in that direction. Now, uh, I give you a tool here uh, that is probably in and of itself the least useful tool in the entire packet because you look at it and you go, there is no room to write on here. Uh, this is your plan evaluation form. So this is more a spot for you to mark uh, where notes need to go on the back uh, or something like that. Uh, but what we're doing here is we are looking at different areas of life. You know, we're looking at the who and the when, the where, the what, to say, how am I doing? Where do, where do I need to tackle my anger now? Because let me give you another picture. Okay? It... If I ask you in your mind's eye to think of a mountain, what picture comes to your mind? Chances are it's a snow-capped peak. The reality is snow-capped peaks don't float. There's a whole lot of mountain up under that that just doesn't get the glory that a snow-capped peak does. When we think about anger, what do we think about? We think about the woohoo moments uh, that are up here. Those moments don't flow. There's a whole lot of unhealthy up underneath them that we've just kind of accommodated and let go. Uh, that if we're really going to root this out, uh, we're going to have to get serious about it. And what we've done through steps one through six is we've done enough damage control. We've shown enough integrity. We've brought the right people around us to where we can begin to do that work. And it's not punishment. It's freedom. God is good for having brought us to the point that we're going to be free from this stuff. And that's what we want to do. We just want to look at uh, people, whether it's specific people, groups of people, uh, roles in our life. I mean, again, roles in life. How many, how many men are just totally intimidated by being a father? Or women in terms of being a wife. Or you make a middle school kid uh, the captain of a team. He turns into Mussolini. 
um, it, roles that we have, they, they change things. And so let's think about that. Time, uh, energy level. Um, again, this is not on the excuse level, it's kind of on the management level, but my wife knows better than to take me shopping uh, without a granola bar or a pack of crackers with her. Uh, because when my blood sugar goes down, uh, I'm, uh, I am me. I'm just me hungry when I don't have a Snickers. It, 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 that getting that blood sugar back up is part of that energy level aspect, uh, that if I'm going to be a good steward of my body, uh, I need to be aware of that. Uh, before and after. Here's the thing about before and after. Your attention is not where it needs to be. You're on what just happened or what's about to happen, not where you are. And so how much does that kind of jump up and bite you? Uh, where? Uh, home. I mean, we've hit this, but it's worth saying. And hopefully I've earned enough trust to just say it candidly. Anger is a cowardly emotion. Anger displays itself where it thinks it can get away with it and the other people around will have to take it. And that means home is a place where it would show up more than others. Um, work, activities, uh, events, uh, in terms of what? Transitions. Transitions are a time where two sets of priorities are pulling at me. I mean, transition, coming from work to home. When I am coming from work, there's a whole set of expectations that I'm trying to let go and get them off of me. And I'm going home and there's a whole other set of expectations and roles that I'm getting ready to go into. And they're both just kind of pulling at me at the moment. Learning how to navigate that and, and to create a clear, if that's part of where the anger comes from, that's part of what we've got to deal with. Uh, substances, we've talked about that. In conclusion of this section, step seven. It, our goal here, if I, had to pick a, pick, if I had to pick a verse for step seven, it would be Ephesians 5, 1, where it says we're to be imitators of God as beloved children. So let me tell you another cute kid story. Uh, when my oldest son, who is my very tender-hearted, loving, compassionate boy, was in preschool, log in preschool, that's important. They're learning letters. They don't know how to read. Uh, when he's in preschool, uh, he's there, and there's a kid in his class who probably would be uh, later on diagnosed as Asperger's because social cues he didn't pick up on well, uh, stimulation frequently unsettled him. And, and so he would just have moments where it was really rough for him in the classroom. And so uh, his teacher was in our uh, Bible study class, and she came to me one week, and she just said, i got to tell you what happened this week. And so this little kid who often struggled was having a bad day. Something kind of disrupted him. He was over there by himself, and my sweet little Lawson came up, and he, you know, he was talking to him and asking as many questions. What's wrong? What bothered you? Just, you know, kind of tore his little heart up for, uh, for a kid to be uh, upset in there. And he got to the point where he didn't know any other questions to ask. And so he just patted him on the shoulder, and he said, You know, bud, I got a good book on anger for you. And he turned and walked away. Now, what was that about? That's about being a pastor of counseling, son. You know, have mercy. It is tough to be a pastor, son. It is tough to be a counselor, son. Pray for my children. They are pastor of counselor, son. Uh, but he's just heard me walk around enough. And there's conversation and people kind of talk and things get. And then when you get to the point where you want to land it, you pat him on the shoulder and you recommend a good book. 
He couldn't read. I guess the book had pictures. But he was imitating. And when we're doing this kind of root out these areas of life, we're a kid who wants to be like our daddy. And our father is good and compassionate. And he can engage with the wrongs of this world in a way that is productive and redemptive. And that's what we want to be like. And it's playing dress up in the righteousness of Christ as many ways as we can. And in many opportunities and things that we can get our hands on to do it with, that's step seven.